started. I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast. We'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So we are back. It's amazing. It was freezing. I say freezing like, you know, two or three degrees outside. Now it's in the 30s. It's warm. But while so many people took their break down in the warm, sunny Florida area, my family, we head north. Oh, and it was crazy weather. Like, whoa. There was six or seven inches of snow last week, and the drive was slow. Safe, but slow. We made our way up to West Branch. We went swimming. Yeah, in Florida you could swim. We went swimming. Great hotel, quiet, middle of nowhere. Then the next mo- then Friday morning we head up to my friend's farm. Some people like to jet ski in Florida. We snowmobile. Come on, this is Michigan. And the kids loved it. It was just great. Not, we didn't go on trails. Big farm. We made a big circle. Round and around we went. But the kids just loved it. And so did my wife, by the way. And me too. We went tubing on Sunday. The whole Shabbos we were, I don't want to say cooped up. But we were in a house, middle of nowhere. Brought all kinds of games Card games, chess, Catan, I don't know what else we had there. Um, code names, uh, there's another game we played over there. Chameleon, maybe? I have no idea. Tons of food we ate and cake and food. It was really beautiful. We really just had a great time just ourselves. We went on a hike through the snow, followed deer tracks. One of my kids wanted to go down this huge hill. I said, we can go down, we can come back up. So we sort of made a circle around. We, we really had just a great time. It was great family time. It was good to be together. And it was a good break. And now we're ready for the next half of the school year. And the next half year of our shows. But, of course, before I go on to my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I do need your help. Tell the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage, hit that donate button, please. Leave a name, I give you a shout out, memory of, happy birthday, and in advance, of course, I thank you. So this week's Torah portion is packed with stuff. Parishes B'Shalach, lots of things happening. So I wanted to focus on that food from heaven, that manna from heaven. The Torah refers to it as man. Translation of mun is uh, prepared food. It, it doesn't really have much of a translation. It's even interesting why that's the name it took, because in the blessing that they would make over this manna, they didn't say um, that God gave me manna. They said bread from heaven. That's that's how they phrase the blessing, right? Um, I think a nice saying who gave bread from heaven. So to think about it, I mean, sounds good. Is it good? 
Is it not good? Would we want it? Would we not want it? Like, let's sort of dive in to exactly what the rules and regulations were to this food. Yes, you're not going shopping. Everything is free, but nothing is free. At the end of the day, nothing is free. So let's let's take it slow and see if we can figure out if we would be comfortable, if we would not be comfortable, and at the end of the day, it's not like anybody had a choice. So first things first. So we leave Egypt. Where's our food? It says the breakfast that we were making, the Egyptians chased us out of Egypt so quickly that the dough we were making didn't have time to rise. We get out of Egypt, and when we finally uh, settle in, uh, 80 miles away, we bake that dough into matzah. But we're traveling. There's millions of people, right? We didn't bring stores with us, right? We didn't bring silos full of grain. So where's the food coming from? So the commentaries explain that the first month, because the Torah actually says that it was 30 days later, the 15th of ER, all of a sudden we have no food, we're complaining for food. So what happened those first 30 days? So it's, uh, it was miracle bread. In other words, we all had that matzah that we baked on the way out, and it was perfect. They're like the perfect candy bar. Think Willy Wonka, right? The perfect candy bar that lasts forever. You eat it, it grows back. So they ate the matzah, and now it's full again. They ate, it's full again. They ate, it's full again. It didn't disappear. So they were actually surviving on this miraculous matzah for 30 days. After 30 days, they eat it. It doesn't come back no more. They polish it off. There is no food. So the first thing the Jewish people do whenever they don't have food they don't have water, they have a problem, they all go and complain to Moses. That's the address for all complaints. Moses goes to God, God says, okay, I see they don't have, now we actually complained about meat and bread. You know, bread, you need bread, the meat seems was a throw-in, that once we're complaining, we all of a sudden decide, it's not good enough for you to give us bread, but we need like steak. So God says to Moses, no problem. They're going to get bread. They're going to get meat, like a bird type of meat, for a small period of time till we acclimated to this special bread. And God told Moses, tell the Jewish people that every morning, because if you don't get up early, you lose by, we'll call it 10 o'clock in the morning for argument's sake. If you're not out by 10 o'clock, all the food will melt, will evaporate. And you'll have to wait till tomorrow. So you're going to get up early, you're going to go collect, you're going to collect a certain amount per person in the household. And it doesn't matter if you collected too much or too little, when you measured out, everyone had their container with what's called a tenth of an eighth. it's a measurement, I think it's the equivalent of uh, about 44 eggs, and that's your food for the day. Yes, at night they got meat, but that didn't last so long, we're not going to spend too much of our time talking about this, what was called the slav, the bird meat. We're just going to talk about this mun, this heavenly bread. It's going to come down. You're going to bring it home. You have to finish it by the end of the day. Nothing can be left over. And the next morning, you go out and collect again. And this is what you'll do. And on Friday, you're going to collect double because on Shabbos, the mun is not coming down. It's like a sign to show you the 
the beauty, the importance, the holiness of Sabbath, that mud is not falling on the Sabbath, therefore they're going to get double on Friday. And the same would be true, by the way, for any holiday, that also would fall down double before the holiday. few other important details. Um, there were different ways the mud could come down. It could come down as like kernels that have to be ground up and then mixed with water, made into a dough, and baked into bread. You could bake it, fry it, cook it, whatever you want. It could come down as dough, or it could come down as fresh bread, depending on your level of righteousness. Also, depending on your level of righteousness would be how hard you had to work to get it. Was it by your front doorstep? Was it down the block? Was it a mile away? Again, depending on who you were. But now, with these important pieces of information, we now can draw a picture of what happened in a regular household. Just imagine for a second that you are that super special righteous person. You wake up in the morning, walk outside your tent, pick up your however many children and people in your house, all the loaves of bread, bring it into the house. Okay, everyone. Breakfast is served. Wow, yes, this is great. This is amazing. That's story number one. Story number two, you wake up in the morning, go out of your front door, hmm, no fresh bread. You walk down the block, there's dough. I guess somehow you knew it was yours. Maybe you could only see yours. <laughs> Maybe there were signs. I have no idea. But somehow you knew. Come home and the kids say, oh, breakfast? Soon I have the dough we have to bake it. Dough. Our neighbor got fresh loaves of bread. They're almost finished breakfast already. How come we got dough? Did you misbehave yesterday? And then you have the third possibility. When a guy goes out, no loaf of bread, no dough. 45 minutes later, he comes back with a big bag of kernels that he gives to the wife. They start grinding start making the, the, the doughs, start cooking, baking, whatever they're doing. Two hours later, it's time for breakfast. And the children might be a little grumpy because they didn't get their food right away. So if I've given you a feeling for that overview, this is really what's going on over here. In other words, this was like a daily report card. I told the boys in my class, imagine... Every day you come home, and before you walk in the door, your mother already has a report card. You called out three times, you turned around, you didn't have your pencil, you bothered your friend, you only did three of the equations properly, um, or perhaps you, you know, the report card says, oh, you sat like a soldier the whole day, you didn't talk to anybody, you ate your snack, you played nicely by recess, a daily report card of everything. So I asked the boys, would you appreciate a daily report card? So it's interesting. The boys that know that they misbehave, they say right away, no, 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 no. I don't think we need a daily report card. The boys who think that they're perfect, yeah, of course I want a report card every day, yeah. So it's interesting because I don't know, I know that boy's father. And if he would realize that some of the things he does would upset his father, he wouldn't want a daily report card. So now we got to start, I know it's not a scale because there's no choice, but yes, your food is paid for, it's delivered every morning, 
You don't have to store anything. I mean, half of what we do in this world is we, we get out there to work just so we can put food on the table. So here, putting food on the table is not a problem. The problem is that you're getting a daily report card. That's a difficulty. Could you handle a daily report card that your children and wife, because it seems the father is the one, the head of the household, he went out to collect, and it would be his behavior um, that would dictate how the mun came to them. Nobody wants a daily report card. Everybody wants, okay, made a little mistake here, I'll fix it, tomorrow will be better. Everybody wants that second chance, third chance, fifth chance, hundredth chance. Everybody wants that. So, so that kind of living where, where there's, you can't fudge, right? You can't pretend is quite difficult. It's difficult. And the truth is, we've talked about it in the past, that there were times in the desert where the Jewish people were sort of done with the money, they would have rather buy food from traveling salesmen, or at least have the opportunity to buy food from traveling salesmen. Keep a few extra bags of flour, so if you don't get mud one day, you you got a, a little extra hidden, so you don't have to make yourself crazy and embarrass yourself. So that's something very important, interesting to think about. Also, um. The mun for sure could taste like anything you wanted, except there's a list. There's a, there are some um, like melons or squash and certain things that are not healthy for pregnant ladies that it couldn't taste like it. It didn't magically turn into an ice cream cone, but it could taste like ice cream. It could um, have the texture of ice cream or a chocolate cake or whatever you happen to enjoy. Um, but it didn't look like it. It still, as far as I know, looked like that loaf of bread. So that, by the way, also is interesting. It's not part of eating. When you sit down to, to eat, you like the look of the food. If the food you're eating all look the same, blah, no matter what it tastes like, you, you know, in, in Yiddish is a great word. What is geschmack? It means like, uh, like enjoyment. Right? There's a certain geschmack, there's a certain enjoyment of seeing the food. You see that steak and you cut it and you put it in your mouth. You see that cookie and you eat it and put it in your mouth. There's an enjoyment to seeing the food. People get older, they can't see so well. That is part of what takes away the enjoyment of eating because if I can't see what I'm eating, so what do I need it for? Even the fact, you know, that's interesting. The, um, there are certain um, soda companies now that they're, they're only going to have clear bottles and they're not coloring the, the drinks. So there's benefit to that. It's not so good for the environment. Certainly some of the chemicals that you're drinking, those, those dyes are not so healthy. So I don't have such a complaint with that. But it happens to be that you wouldn't enjoy Coke if it was clear. You wouldn't enjoy it. There's something to be said for the black color of Coke is part of the enjoyment. Having a glass bottle, you see the color of the Coke. There's something to it. And that's something they did not have with the Mun. And that's something that definitely uh, would bother them. It is interesting 
Um, this week, there's something called a segula, not like a good luck charm, but there's a, it's almost like a custom that people will read the Torah portion that describes the man, and that sort of is like a key to help a person get his livelihood during the year. So Mishaburah says, it doesn't mean, it's not magic. It's not hocus pocus that you say these words and now all of a sudden you're getting your livelihood. It's the recognition that everything I do, right, is, is, is not me. It's all God. God wants me to have my livelihood. God gives me my livelihood. He wants me to have more. He wants me to have less. It doesn't really matter how hard I work. So you might say, why work hard? So that is the curse we have from the first man, right? That originally we didn't have to do any work. He ate the forbidden fruit, whatever that fruit was, not apples. But whatever the fruit was, so his curse was, we have to work now. You can't kick your shoes off, put your feet up on the table, and food is delivered. You have to work. Everybody, their amount, the Hebrew word for that is ishtadlus. Everybody has to do their, their thing. You got to do something. Um, and some people have to do more than others. But at the end of the day, as no matter how much work I do, I have to remember it's all God. That's what I need to recognize. That's what I need to remember. And so by saying this Torah portion that talks about the man, and I'm recognizing the man is all about food. It's all about my support. So, so reading about the God gives me my food will help me remember that all the effort and work I put in, at the end of the day, I put in the work, but God is what's going to make me successful. It's a famous story, I think I've told it before. There was an old rav in Yerushalayim, older man, goes, he sees no tomatoes in the house, he goes to buy tomatoes. So he goes to the store, goes to the makolet, or to the shuk, gets a few tomatoes, and he meets a younger rav. They, they knew each other, and they're talking Torah study, and they get in line. The older rav puts his tomatoes on the scale, and the, and the cashier says, okay, it'll be three shkalim. The old rav doesn't budge. And again, the cashier says, okay, let's go. Three shkalim or five shkalim, whatever it was. Again, no response. Hello, hello, you want these tomatoes? You got to pay. All of a sudden, the younger Rav realizes that, that this man does not have any money on him. So he pulls out the skull and pays the cashier, and they move along. So the younger Rav says, like, what were you thinking? You left your house without any money. What, 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 what do you think was going to happen? So the old Rav said, God knows I need tomatoes. He has to take care of me. That's a very high level that you can walk out of your house with no money and know that God has to take care of you and, uh, and, and you'll get your food anyways. So, so the, the young brother said, but, but how are you going to get the money? Where, where do you think it was going to come from? He said, well, God said, sent you, didn't he? Okay, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team. We have David in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.